It's good to see you this morning. And uh, yeah, hey, a few, few announcements, a few things just to let you know about. Um, we've got uh, all our regular prayer times happening uh, this week, and I like how Blake pointed that out last week, just as encouragement. And um, with regards to how many opportunities there are for us to come together and pray, we got Sunday night prayer, we got Monday morning the ladies' prayer via Zoom, uh, Tuesday morning the guys are here um, at 7. And so I would just encourage you to come out and join us at some point in time, if you can, throughout your week. And uh, so we got prayer happening. Also super stoked that today we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper uh, together and come to the table. And uh, so if you're joining us online, I would encourage you to have the communion elements ready, okay? Your juice and your cracker, whatever you got at home to make it work. And we invite you to join us online. But we're going to do that this morning. And then uh, we got Wednesday night, of course, walk through the Bible. We're here uh, at 7 o'clock. And we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. And uh, hey, Lyle, it was nice to have Lyle teach us on Wednesday night. Good job, man. Thanks. And uh, so we'll be in Ephesians. And um, you're welcome to come just like you're here uh, this morning. You can come on Wednesday night. Same deal. You just go to the church website, click in, reserve a seat, okay, just so that we're watching our head count and all that stuff, Okay. And then um, the other thing is this, is uh, I'm, I'm heading off with Eli Pauls and Will Dow and another fellow from um, uh, Keats Island tomorrow, and we're doing uh, the 100 Holes of Golf for Young Life, the fundraiser. And uh, yeah, 100 Holes of Golf is uh, exactly what it sounds like. It, uh, <laughs> 100 Holes of Golf, it's a long day, like we pound through it. I went and participated the last couple years. And it's, it's really fun, but it is a long day. And so uh, we're doing it. It's our fundraiser for uh, Young Life Sunshine Coast and supporting Eli that's working here amongst our youth. And he's doing an awesome job in the communities up at the high school uh, every day when they were open. And he kept things going online via Zoom uh, in the midst of all this COVID stuff. And so uh, we want to just support that ministry. Thankful to have a full-time youth worker on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, we want to be behind that as a church and as individuals. And so I would encourage you, if you can, to go online. You can go to the church Facebook page, and there's a link there. You can support and make a donation. Their, their goal, the goal was to raise $10,000. And uh, last I heard, that we were at 8400 bucks. So really, really good. So that goes uh, towards Eli and the youth uh, work here on the Sunshine Coast. So that's cool. Sweet. You got your Bibles? Let's go Joshua chapter 8, okay? Joshua chapter 8, and we're going to pick up this story uh, where we left off in our journey through Joshua. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles around the edges of the room, and it's also going to be up on the screen for you. And we're going to continue on in this story of the battle against Ai. I always, uh, I always, I was telling Shoni yesterday. I said I got in the pulpit last time, and I couldn't remember how to say I, AI properly. Right when I started preaching, I thought there it went. It's gone. I'm not going to remember it. And this is how you actually say it. It's I E, not AI. I E. Okay. So this is the name of the city that we're going to read about. So let's let's uh, let's pray as we come to God's word here this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you. Uh, Lord, for the written word that leads us to the living word, Jesus, we want to be led to you, uh, led to your feet today, led to your table for the Lord's Supper. And um, 
God, as we look at this story that illustrates for us the battle against the flesh, Lord, we pray that you'd give us insight, that you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, that we would uh, just discern what your spirit is saying to us as individuals, and we would find strength, Lord, and encouragement in your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Joshua chapter 8. Um, yes, we're picking up this story, and if you recall, Joshua chapter 7 told us the defeat against this city of I.E., and how Joshua had sent just a, a small portion of his army to battle against the city that, that they thought should have been easily overcome after their great victory over Jericho, and instead what happened? They were whooped by uh, the inhabitants of this city, and a bunch of Israeli men died, and it was discovered that there was sin in the camp. And as we come to this chapter, what we've seen is the sin of Achan has been revealed. It's been confessed. Uh, God has forgiven it. Punishment has been dealt out. And now it's the next, the next steps of going on. I was thinking about this a while ago. I don't know if it was last year. Last year around Christmas sometime, I think 2019. I went out to UBC and took a coaching course for hockey, and I kind of like to do that just from time to time to keep sharp and to keep learning stuff, and uh, it was an optional thing. Me and a buddy went out there and did it, and uh, whenever you take these courses on coaching, uh, they always talk a lot of time. I'm always shocked about it. I always think we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about skills and tactics and all this stuff, and instead, often what they talk about in coaching is your philosophy and your plan. What's your plan for your team? And I'm like, wow, it doesn't matter when I, when I took courses that were lower level introductory courses, that's what they taught. And when I take a little bit higher courses, that's what they teach. You got to have, you gotta have a, a plan and a philosophy. And we spent a lot of time having discussion on those things. And the last course I was in, the, the instructor said this, he said that the team that makes the most mistakes wins. And I thought, what? The team that makes the most mistakes wins. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. When you initially hear that, you think, no, that, no, it's the team that makes the fewest mistakes that wins. And, uh, but the idea is that it's, it's those who do nothing that don't make mistakes. It's those who aren't trying that don't make mistakes. It's those who aren't putting out effort and giving a shot at it that don't make mistakes. And mistakes... The idea was this, mistakes provide the opportunity to learn. Mistakes provide the opportunity to be taught. Mistakes provide the opportunity to get up and do it right the next time. Henry Ford actually said this, a mistake is an opportunity to begin again and to do so more intelligently. And for Joshua and Israel, this encounter with the city of Ai had led to defeat and they had had a discovery in their midst that there was sin in the camp. And after uncovering it, after confessing it, this chapter, chapter 8, goes on to tell us how they got up from defeat and the Lord led them to victory. And, you know, we've been looking at the history of Israel uh, in the book of Joshua here and seeing them come and conquer and take the promised land. We've seen the applications that this is a picture of the Christian entering into the promised life that is ours, our inheritance in Christ Jesus to enter into promised land living. And we've been seeing these different 
uh, applications for Christians. And as we've been going through this, I've mentioned a few times that as Christians, we see this in the New Testament, we have three significant enemies that the Bible tells us about. What are they? The world, the, the flesh, and the devil. This is a picture of the battle with the flesh. In fact, the next encounter of the enemy that we're going to see is the Gideonites, where they're going to negotiate with the Gideonites. It's a picture of the devil, because the devil always wants to negotiate with you. This is a picture of the battle with the flesh, the city of Ai. And, uh, and we've talked about this, that there are enemies without in the Christian life, and there are enemies within. And the city of Ai pictures this battle against the enemy within, in a sense, the enemy, the battle of the flesh. And in round one, Israel loses. They lose. Ever lose a battle to the flesh? Yeah, totally. Maybe just me. <laughs> we lose battles to the flesh. And, and what, we, what we've seen is this. And what, one of the applications that I left us off with, with this city of Ai, was this, is that though a righteous man falls down seven times, he gets back up. You get back up. That's what you do when you are righteous. When you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and the work of the cross, when you lose a battle with the flesh, the first thing you've got to do is get back up. And that's the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. The righteous man or woman gets back up and continues on in Christ Jesus. And a life of following uh, Jesus, the Christian life is in so many ways, you guys, it's like a series of new beginnings. You know, it's like the Bible tells us all the time that the mercies of God are new every morning. Why? Because you and I need new beginnings all the time. I need fresh mercy poured out on my life. You need fresh mercy poured out on your life. And so in the face of defeat, what we saw is this, Joshua fell on his face, fell on his face before the Lord and and, uh, and then he did this. Well, I, I just think of what settled into his heart. We're going to see here, I think, so, so often standing in the way of you and I, you know, we blow it. Let's say we lose the battle with the flesh. We fall on our face before the Lord. And so often standing in the, the way of us getting back up is this, is discouragement, is fear, you know, we can be discouraged over past defeat. We can, we can look back and go, look at all the mistakes I've made. Look at where I've messed up. And, and those mistakes, we think, I can't get back up because of these mistakes. Or So there's a, there's a discouragement that comes from looking back, but there can also be when we're laying on our face because of our mess up, <laughs> a, a fear of the future. Not only held down by discouragement, but held down by fear. And we look forward and we go, well, what kind of future is there for me? I've blown it. I messed up. I, I messed up with the Lord. But what we've seen in this story is this, is that once sin was dealt with, once it was uncovered and confessed, the Lord called Joshua and the people to get up, to move on, and to move forward. So let's check this out. Verse 1 and 2, it says this. We're going to just go to verse 29 this morning. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up and see, i.e., see, I have given into your hand the king of i.e. and his people, his city, and his land, and you shall do to i.e. and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, only its spoil and its livestock 
you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city uh, behind it. So I love this because the first thing that the Lord says to Joshua is, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear. As we move forward from defeat, the answer for our discouragement and the answer for, for your fear is this, is that you need to have a word from the Lord, a word from God, a word of encouragement. And the Lord says to Joshua, fear not. Don't be dismayed. The sin has been exposed. It's been confessed. It's been uncovered. I am going to give you victory. I'm going to give you victory. You know, I think about this, you know, there's always defeat in the past. And the New Testament instructs us how to move forward. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. He says, I, I forget what lies behind and strain on to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And he says this, let those of us who are mature think this way. So this is actually maturity to say, okay, that sin, that thing, it's in the past. I brought it to the cross. I brought it to Jesus. And maturity says, I have to press forward. I have to forget what's behind me and look forward to the upward call in Christ Jesus. Yes, there's been defeat. Lord, the Lord's not ignoring the fact that there was defeat with Joshua, but he says, Joshua, here's the instruction for your victory. Let's go forward. And when Joshua, you know, remember the story, when Joshua had sent spies to this city, the spies went and checked out this city. They said, man, this city is nothing after what we did to Jericho. Just sent two or 3,000 soldiers and, and we, can, we can take this city. And, and instead, in that place of overconfidence, they were defeated. And look what, look what God says this time. He says to them, take all the fighting men with you, all of them. I'm going to kind of talk through this story this morning, and I'm going to make some applications for us at the end about our battle with the flesh. Because the city, i.e., represents that. It pictures our battle with the flesh. That's the greatest enemy you and I have. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. But I got this battle going on with my flesh. You have a battle happening with your flesh. It's the greatest enemy that you have. It's a, it's a bigger enemy than Satan. The enemy within. And it's interesting to think the Lord says, take the whole army. <laughs> There's nobody that needs to be left behind for this one. You're going to need everybody. You're going to need all the resources you have. And that's the truth. When you're fighting with your own flesh, you need every resource available to you in Christ Jesus. You take everything with you when you battle against the flesh. And the Lord told Joshua set an ambush. The, the idea of an ambush is that in this battle, you're going to have to use, uh, you're going to have to be crafty. You're going to have to be cunning. You're going to have to use everything at your disposal to win this battle. Joshua was to, to take advantage of I.E.'s self-confidence that was the, the result of their earlier victory. I think about that, you know, the flesh. That sin nature, it has a confidence about it. It's like, oh, I'll get you again. I got you last time and I'll get you next time. And the Lord told Joshua, you're, you're going to have to use cunning. You're going to have to set an ambush. You're going to be 
have to be crafty if you're going to win this battle. But what's cool, the Lord said to him, is this, is that this time the soldiers can claim all the spoils. They can have all the spoils, but they're going to have to burn the city. And I just think of, you know, I think back of Achan, how tragic if he would have just waited for a few more days, you know, he took spoils from the city of Jerusalem, devoted things, or from Jericho, sorry, devoted things that belonged to the Lord. And if he would have just waited a few more days, he could have come to this battle and he could have had everything he wanted. Everything. Just been a little more patient. Just a little more patient. See, God always gives the best of what he has to those who leave the choice and the timing with him. Okay, Lord, you said that, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And whenever we run ahead of the Lord, we usually end up ripping ourselves off. So the word of the Lord to Joshua was his promise that he was going to give him victory over this city, but it was contingent on Joshua and the people of Israel obeying the word of the Lord that they would respond in faith. And see, the promises of God always require us to respond in faith, to take God at His word and to act on His word. The first time Israel attacked this city, they did so on the basis of presumption. This time it had to be on the basis of faith, and the difference between presumption and faith, they're not that far apart. The difference is the word of God. Faith takes its stand on the Word of God. Presumption just goes ahead on its own. And you know, I think we talk in our church a lot about the importance of the Word of God. We believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture. But, but this is why. This is why our life has to be built on the Word of God because it leads us to actions and steps of obedience by, by faith and Daily time in the Word of God, church. Daily time in the Word of God is what prepares you for battle. Without the Word, you're going to be unprepared. Victory comes, victory comes by being saturated in the Word of God. The Word of God dwelling in your heart, dwelling in your mind. And when it's there, and it's, you're abiding in the words of Jesus... The Holy Spirit can take those, those words and He can use the Word of God to control our desires. He can use the Word of God to control our decisions. And this is the secret to victory. So here's the thing, you know, I think about these guys, you know, they'd failed so badly and for you and I, no matter how badly we failed, we can always get up, we can always start over in Christ Jesus because our God is the God of new beginnings. Now, let's read on what happens here. Verse 3, I'm going to go to 13. So Joshua and all the fighting men rose up to go, men arose to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they come out against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. And they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say they are fleeing from us just as before. So we will flee before them. 
Then you shall arise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. Verse 8. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of the ambush that lay between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent the night there among the people. Joshua rose early in the morning, and he mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai, with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces. The main encampment was to the north of the city and its rear guard west of the city. And Joshua spent the night in the valley. So we read this and this is like a totally new strategy of war. Israel hasn't fought many wars. You know, it's like Jericho, they marched around some walls And they won the victory, but this time it's a completely different uh, plan. Like, you you just think about it. You know, Jericho was a week-long thing. It it happened in the middle of the day. Uh, This was a night operation where soldiers and portions of the army were put in place and in secrecy, and the attack came in the morning. And in Jericho, you know, the army marched as one unit, as one man around the city, but here they're divided into three groups to three sides of the city. And Jericho was a miracle. The walls come tumbling down as they shouted for the Lord and blew the trumpets, but there's nothing like that in this story. But in both situations, Jericho and Ai, it's the Lord who gives the victory. And I just think about that. I think, man, it's so easy to depend on past strategies that the Lord's given us. Past victories. But that's not how God always works. He doesn't always work the exact same way. This strategy wasn't based on the victory of Jericho. This, this strategy was based on an earlier defeat. They had lost They'd been defeated by this enemy. They needed a new strategy. So 30,000 soldiers are placed hiding behind the city. 5,000 are placed to the west side, blocking the route of escape for the inhabitants and the army of Ai. Joshua and the rest of the city are encamped in front. The rest of his army were encamped in front of the city to draw out this overconfident army and And, you know, while the army came out, uh, those who were in ambush would sneak in the background and light it up on fire, which was the signal for Joshua to press the frontal attack. And I just think this, look at God's work is strategic. His battle plan for you against your flesh, you need the mind of the Lord. You need God's plan. The enemy has to be drawn out. The way of escape has to be blocked. The ambush has to, be, has to be set. Now check out verse 14. It says this. And as soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out to the earlier appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled 
in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city uh, were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. So again, just as uh, the king of Ai gets up in the morning, he sees this army out in front of his city. And uh, they're positioned to attack, and he's confident that he can lead his city in victory as he did before. And he comes out of the city. Joshua and his army begin uh, to flee, which just feeds the overconfidence of this king. And uh, yeah, what an, what an example of the danger of overconfidence. Let's read on. Okay, it says this in verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I have given it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand towards the city. And the men in the ambush rose quickly out of their place, and as soon as he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven and they had no power to flee this way or that for the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. Now, I, I love this picture that the Lord tells Joshua, raise your hand and hold your javelin up. It's the signal for your army. Stretch out your javelin as I command you. It reminds me of another biblical story. Do you remember that story with Moses? There's, a, there's a, something being repeated here. A lesson that's being taught here, a situation that Joshua would recall because when the Amalekites, the first battle that Israel ever had after being led out of slavery in Egypt was against the Amalekites. And the story is told in Exodus chapter 17. Maybe today it's worth going home and reading this story. But what had happened for Israel is they had experienced the miracle of water coming from the rock. God had provided for them in the desert. And right after that, Amalek came and Amalek fought with Israel. And it was Joshua who was leading Israel in battle against the Amalekites down in the valley while Moses was up on the hillside holding his staff in the air. And you know the story. It's a famous Bible story. When Moses' hands came down and the staff came down, they could see that God's people were being defeated. But as his hands were raised and held up, eventually two men came to either side of him and held his hands up. The army of Israel was victorious, led by Joshua. And in Scripture, Amalek, Amalek always pictures a battle against the flesh. The Amalekites come up all over the place in the Old Testament. And so it's not coincidental here that I.E. pictures a battle against what enemy? The flesh. And as believers, uh, as believers battle with flesh and, flesh and having victory, we see it, ca it came, or as Israel battled, sorry, it came as Joshua was raising his javelin just as Moses has raised, had raised his staff. It's interesting, in Exodus chapter 17, when Moses held up his staff, and Amalek was overwhelmed by Joshua with his sword, the Lord said to Moses, Moses in Exodus 17, 14, he said this, 
write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. That's what Exodus 17 says. Joshua had been trained for these situations. And the Lord told Joshua, stretch out your hand, stretch out your javelin, and get victory. And Joshua knew the picture from his own past, from Israel's past. And I just think, man, he knew there's no way my hand is coming down in this battle. I will not lower my hand because I recognize what God's doing here. He wants to bring a, the victory. I'm going to hold it until victory is won. So let's read on. I'm going to read right to verse 29. It says this. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city and that the smoke of the city went up, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai, they took alive and they brought him near to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them to the very last had fallen by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all the people who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand, which he had stretched out, the javelin, until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of the Lord commanded, that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap of ruins as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised over it a great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. Crazy story. <laughs> These violent Bible stories. Um, you know, once smoke, we read here, once smoke came up from the city, Joshua and the army stopped fleeing. They turned on the enemy, and the enemy was sandwiched between the armies of Israel. And uh, they pursued them until they were completely destroyed. Now, I, I just will make this comment. I mean, we, we have to remember here what we see elsewhere in Scripture. If we just read this, we go, oh, this is so terrible that this happened to this city. And it is terrible. It's tragic. It's tragic that they were unrepentant. It's tragic that for hundreds of years, God had warned them. And that they had, uh, had to come to the place where they face God's judgment in this way. These weren't innocent people. Uh, this was an evil society that was resisting the grace of God for hundreds of years. And God finally brought judgment upon them. And the final act as they were defeated symbolized, you know, Israel's complete victory over Ai. The king was killed the king of the city, no army left, no subjects left, no city. And then Joshua killed the king with the sword and hung his body up on a tree till evening and they raised a heap of stones over him. It's interesting. We've got another monument. You remember all these monuments that we've seen throughout the book of Joshua in the middle of the Jordan River? One that 
reminds us of the cross at Gilgal, one that reminds us of the resurrection, one heaped over Achan, reminding us of the, the danger of hidden sin. And now here, one heaped up over this king, i.e., a memorial reminding uh, the children of Israel the danger of disobedience, the danger of the potential in the flesh. And this heap of stones was a memorial uh, to God's victory that he had given them. By, by obeying the word of the Lord, defeat had been transformed into victory and the spoils of war were claimed by the army. And I imagine that as all this unfolds, this, the, these people who the Lord had to say to right at the start of this chapter, do not be dismayed and do not fear, I believe there was a new sense of victory and faith in Israel after this great victory. And God erased the disgrace of defeat. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to just give you some thoughts that I had, just some application thoughts on how do I gain victory over the flesh? How do, I, how do you gain victory over the flesh? How do I ambush the flesh? That's what I actually called this message, ambush the flesh. Um, firstly, I want to take you back to just two thoughts from the previous chapter. N- number one, how do I ambush the flesh? I'm going to give you eight things. Uncover and confess. Uncover and confess the sin, the disobedience. Bring it to the Lord. The Lord wants to forgive. He wants to cleanse of that previous defeat, that previous act of disobedience. And so it needs to be uncovered and confessed. Number two, You need to get up from defeat. Just get up. Get up. You know, I remember so many times when I was younger in the Lord and younger in my faith and would have some area where it just felt like, man, I blew it and this and that. And it would take me a long time to get up. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't want to go read my Bible. I wouldn't want to participate in different things. I want to make my plan to kind of soothe my way and massage my way back into the presence of God. Look at just get up. Just get up. You know, some failure happens, some area of the flesh, just the mercy of God is new. Get up, get in the word. Okay, so that's number two. And, and, and number three is this, and that, that's exactly what you need. You need a word from the Lord. Get a word from the Lord. That's what Joshua got for the people. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear. You, when you get up, if you're going to go on and have victory, you need to have a word from, from God. And the fourth thing I would tell you is this, is launch out from resurrection ground. Launch out from Gilgal. Like, like, like we've seen, their, their encampment was at this place of Gilgal, which was a picture of living life on resurrection ground. Look, when we confess sin and we uncover it, That happens at the work of the cross. We go to the cross. We go back to the cross. But where we move forward from is resurrection ground. So move, you know, church, I want to encourage you, deal with sin from the cross, then move yourself in your heart and mind to resurrection ground and say, now this is my victory. Jesus was victorious over sin, death, the devil, and the grave. And I go forward, I launch out from resurrection ground. Fifth thing I want to tell you 
In your battle against the flesh, it takes all your resources. All resources. If there is an area of sin where the flesh has been gaining victory over you and you've been facing defeat, you, you cannot come out in this battle with portions of your army. By thinking that just two or 3,000 men are going to do it, you need a full-out attack. You need to set an ambush. You need a, a, a frontal attack. So, so that's what I would say to you. Here's number six, okay? If you could follow. I should have put them up on the screen for you. Number six is this. Set an ambush. Make sure all of the ways of escape are blocked. Make sure the army is in the back. Make sure the, the route where there could be an escape over here is, is blocked and, and set the frontal attack. It's gotta, everything's got to be covered. If there's an area of sin that you've been battling, you've you you got to pull out all the stops. Use cunning. Be crafty. Station all the forces. It's all out. Number seven is this. Don't lower your hand until victory is totally won. It's amazing. I'm like, I don't even understand how he did this, but it said Joshua did not lower the javelin. Did not lower it. God gave him strength. He was promised victory, and he said, this hand is not coming down until he himself killed the king of Ai with the sword. And the last thing is this. Burn it to the ground, man. Burn it to the ground. Burn that city, burn that stronghold to the ground. Let nothing live. Total destruction when you're dealing with areas of the flesh. That's what has to happen. Look, I want to remind you what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus Let those of us who are mature think this way. Great chapter that just helps us with the battle of the flesh. And I wanted to look at it quickly this morning because that's quick for us. Because we want to come together to the Lord's table. And so I'm going to invite Ron and Lisa to come up here. And uh, Greg and Julian are going to come around and uh, serve you guys in a minute. And as they do, what we're going to do is uh, they'll just... They'll put the elements on the tray for you, okay? They're going to clean their hands right now. And they're going uh, to put the elements on the tray for you, and we got these uh, cool little things. <laughs> they're little sealed kits. Yeah, come on up here. Little, uh, little sealed kits, okay? So um, these guys will come around, and you can just uh, pull, pull one of the, they'll place a kit on the table, and uh, there's communion juice and a piece of bread there, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together, Okay. And so um, as we get ready to do that, I'm going to get you guys to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 22. It's not going to come up on the screen. Hook me up there, Julian. Thanks, buddy. Sweet, I was just looking forward to this more than anything, actually, this week. 
thinking, man, we just get to come to the Lord's table together and uh, make, make our way uh, in our hearts and minds to that place of remembrance where we remember all that Jesus did for us. For us to gain victory, you guys, over the flesh. To find forgiveness for sin. And uh, I'm so glad that we could uh, participate in this together. In a, in a moment, we're going to sing a song and then we'll partake together. But just as we get ready to do that, I want to read to you uh, from Luke 22, the story of Jesus' institution of the Lord's Supper. And it says this in Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and his apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat, eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the covenant, this cup is, sorry, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is we're just going to stand together. We're going to take some time just to have some reflection and, and sing, and then we'll come back together and, and just participate. So I invite you to stand, Ron and Lisa are going to lead us in singing, and I'll come back in a moment and uh, we'll partake together.
This morning, what I wanted to do was just uh, take a moment for us to be able to just lead out in prayer from around the room, just to give uh, thanks to the Lord for His body and blood. And so, hey, uh, I'm going to actually ask you to do that, just to maybe a few of you to lead out in prayer for us as we come to the Lord's table. We just want to take time to remember that which Jesus did for us. And so, um, let's give thanks to the Lord. So let's offer to Him prayers of thanksgiving. Let's take a moment to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're comfortable and you feel the Spirit leading you and you want to just lead us in prayer, I encourage you to do that this morning. So, Lord, we just come together before you just to say thank you. Lord, it's just the right response as we consider the cross, Lord, to offer you thanksgiving, uh, to offer you our lives. And, Lord, we just uh, we take this time to remember your body that was broken for us. Lord, we thank you for this little uh, wafer, this piece of bread, which... So simple, and yet it represents to us something so astounding that you would give your body for our sin. And Lord, we acknowledge before you today, Jesus, that, that you are true food, true, true food, Lord. You, you, you said that there would be no life in us unless we ate of your body. And so, Lord, we uh, recognize that, that as we uh, come and just partake of this simple thing, Lord, it's, it's an acknowledgement that true life is in you, that true nourishment is in you, Lord, that you are what sustains us uh, spiritually. You sustain us physically. You, you nourish uh, our spirits, and life is in you. You, you uh, give us life, Lord, and as we, uh, as we partake of this bread this morning, it's absorbed into our bodies, Lord, so we want the work of the cross to be absorbed into our lives. That you would impart to us life today, Lord. We thank you that we can come uh, before you and remember the cross this morning. Maybe, Lord, uh, there are those coming from the place of a fresh defeat. Lord, maybe this be the time where we just uncover it and confess it to you the time from which we get up. Lord, there may be those coming from the place of victory. 
Yet at the same time, Lord, we, we just gather at the same spot to know that, that our, ultimately our victory is in you and what you did for us. And so, Jesus, we remember your body today, and we give you thanks. We remember your love. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken for us. And Lord, we take hold of the cup this morning, which represents your blood shed for us. We thank you, Lord, that it's uh, your life for ours, God. You, your very life was poured out so that we might have life in you, Lord. And it's your blood that cleanses us of sin and washes us white as snow. And Lord, we, we thank you for uh, this cup that we hold. It's a cup of thanksgiving as we remember your blood poured out for us, Lord. And we pray today, God, that as we drink um, and acknowledge that, that true life is in you, true sustenance is in you, true, true uh, nourishment is in you, God, that we would just experience the cleansing power of your blood again to wash over us. And so, Lord, we give you thanks for your blood poured out. We remember this morning, Lord. We remember. We want to proclaim your death until you come. And God, as we hold this cup, we remember that it, it pictures your love poured out for us. We give you thanks for that. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you lead us to victory. That... Uh, you're the commander of our lives, the Lord of our lives, and today we, we look to you, God. Pray, God, that you'd be glorified in our church, in our families, in our community, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, just before I dismiss you guys, I'm going to dismiss you, but um, I just want to let you know uh, uh, James is in the hospital, and so we, we want to just maybe just take a moment to pray for him, okay?